Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Happy Super Sunday. Guys, it is, uh, I think that is legitimately what this uh, day is called in America. It is just Super Sunday. So, the, um, I, I want to, I want to acknowledge that. I want to appreciate the, uh, you know, all the, the Patriots jerseys. We got some Patriots fans, right? Alright, so congratulations to all the Patriots fans for being in the Super Bowl. Let's see if you can bring it home. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, jerseys and shirts. I've even seen some tattoos of, like, in Belichick We Trust. Uh, or in Brady We Trust. I'm like, okay, uh, hmm. But, you got to give it to the Patriots fans being uh, for their people. We have, uh, I know we have some solid ones in here. So, I, uh, I'm actually a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm not wearing my jersey this one, this time. I do have my terrible towel on the back of my seat, you know. Uh, I decided I didn't want to bring it up here because I represent Jesus. And then, uh, it, though next year I still may wear the jersey. Uh, we'll see, especially if we make it in the Super Bowl next year. Um, but, uh... Hey, you know what? I'm still rooting for the, the Patriots. They, they knocked us out. Okay, I am. They're my second team. If I want anybody to win, I want to be them. And it helps that, uh, you know, if they win, then it's like, well, the only team that beat us was the best team in the league. There you go. You know? So, I'm at, you know, I don't want to be petty about it, but it makes us look better. So, but we're going to start in John chapter 3 this morning. Right? I hope you appreciate this Sunday's uh, the title of this Sunday's sermon, it's actually The New Kingdom Patriots. The New Kingdom Patriots. Come on. You know, what is a patriot? I had to look it up. I mean, I, I had an idea. But it, it's defined this way. It says, a person who vigorously supports their nation and is prepare, prepared to defend it against enemies or detractors, right? Now, honestly, you think about it. What, what would better define a disciple of Jesus, a Christian who stands in the kingdom of God and says, I belong to Jesus. Jesus is my captain. He fights my battles too, right? You know, he is my king. He is my Lord. He is my savior. And that, it's, that is our king. That is our nation that we belong to, right? And so when we, you think about it, the idea of being a patriot for Christ is just being someone who, you know what you have in God's kingdom. You're ready to vigorously support it. The nation that you represent, right? Prepared to defend it, right? And, and prepared to, to protect it as best you can, right? And that is the idea of being a patriot, I think, and even just being a disciple, so what we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to go through a couple things. We've got a few things we're going to hear. We're going to get, get it, how did the kingdom patriots, they get into the kingdom. They're out of their minds for God. They persevere despite hardship. They're ambassadors of the king. They get there through Christ. And success is inevitable. Right? So we're going to see, starting in here in John 3, verse 6. you got a Bible, you can turn there with me. But I do have it up there if you don't have one. In John 3, I won't have slides for every scripture I'm going to read this morning. So 
If you have a Bible, it'll be helpful to you. But in uh, starting in verse 3, Jesus is speaking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus, right? He says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter into a second time into his mother's womb uh, to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Right? You know, early in Jesus' ministry, this is in John chapter 3. Right up front, out of the gates, he's starting to talk about the kingdom. And this isn't the first example. You look through his Gospels, the kingdom is the predominant theme through all of Jesus' ministry. It's something that he, he constantly talks about. In fact, it's not just something he constantly talks about. It's something that's been talked about for thousands of years. And so when I say the new kingdom patriots, let's be real. The kingdom, maybe it's new to us. But the kingdom has been around a long time, right? And the, these, the, you have so many of the Jewish people who've been waiting for it and waiting for it for hundreds and even thousands of years. You, you look at what they've been waiting in expectation for. And so when Jesus says that it's possible to see the kingdom, he says, but you need to be reborn to get into it, right? You know, and so when he's talking about this, he takes on this idea of rebirth. Now, when you were born, when I was born, I was born an American, right? My, uh, my twin sister and I, we were one of the first set of, we were the first set of twins born in the hospital we were born in, in San Antonio. Uh, you know, we were, I think they like took our little footprints and put them somewhere in the hospital. I don't know if they're still there, but it was, it was, I was born an American. I was born here. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you want to be a citizen of the kingdom, right? You've got to be born here. You've got to be born here. Now, what's he talking about when he says flesh? I was born of the flesh, right? When my mom gave birth to me, I was born of the flesh. But then he says here, you know, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Just saying, he said, you need to be born of water and spirit to get into his kingdom. What's he talking about? He's talking about, we need to be baptized if we want to get into his kingdom. Right? We need to be participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in all of this, God works a miracle. It's God's work to perform a miracle to make us a new creation through his power. Right? And it's through our faith in God and his mighty power that changes us and makes us new. But he says, to get in... You've got to start over. I love that personally because you get a clean slate, right? When James was born, that boy has no sin. I mean, he's just, he's just awesome. He likes to bite a lot right now. I like to think he's just trying to give a lot of kisses, but he just hasn't figured it out. Uh, you know, so watch out if he comes at your face. But he, uh, he's, a good, he's a really good boy, though. You know, but we look at all of this. And we say, we're going to be new citizens. And not just, to, and you have to, if you want to be a patriot, right? 
You're not a patriot for another country. You're a patriot for your country. Right? And so, you don't... I, I, yeah, you know what? I think, I think the UK is pretty cool. We went there uh, to visit some family over Christmas last... Not this last year, but the previous year. It was really cool. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time. The UK is cool. But... I'm not going to be a patriot of the UK. If I was born in America, I'd more likely be a patriot of America. But right now, you know what I want to be a patriot of? I want to be a patriot of the kingdom of God. But people think patriots, true patriots, are crazy. Right? They're crazy. You know, and there's a reason why Paul was, or Peter was up here this morning saying, fools, we're fools, we're this, we're that. And I'm like... You know what? Patriots for Christ, they are fools. Fools for Christ. And, and that's why my second point is, is this. We are out of our minds for God. My first point was, you've got to get in the kingdom. Second point is, patriots are out of their minds for God. Right? Check out this scripture. Go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13. You guys with me this morning? Yeah. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13 says this. Paul's writing. He says, If we are out of our minds, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now we're going to talk about two aspects of this one scripture. I've got two points for this piece, but one of the first ones is he's saying we're out of our minds. And what's Paul talking about? One, context, he's, there's been some... There's been some, some shade, there's been some hate, there's been some uh, things thrown his way by, by other ministers who've been in the area, saying that their ministry's greater, or saying that Paul's kind of crazy, and he's coming in going, you know, if I'm crazy, if I'm out of my mind, I'm out of my mind for God. If I'm in my right mind, it's for you. He's, he's trying to make an appeal to them. If you read through this whole section, he's really trying to appeal to them for, uh, to get their trust. But he's trying to help them understand, you know what? Yeah, I am crazy. I am crazy for God and what he's called me to do. And he, he, he has done some crazy things. He, he's more than a fan of Jesus, right? He's more than a fan. But you think about, people get crazy about all sorts of things, especially sports, right? They get crazy about sports. You get, you get some crazy sports fans who, who dress up, they do all the makeup, they do the... You got some... These Raiders fans, i got to give it to the Raiders fans. They have some of the craziest costumes. Uh, uh, one of these days, Zach will come maybe as a crazy Raiders fan. He is always a crazy Raiders fan. He just, you know, maybe he'll, be a, he'll dress up one Sunday for us. It'll be great. Maybe when they make it in the Super Bowl, if that ever happens. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the... Uh, but... Raiders fans are crazy. All sorts of sports fans get crazy. Right? He has like this. Out of their mind. Different type of football. Right? But this guy is... He just looks insane. You know what I'm saying? He just looks insane. 
I mean, some of these people, who pays money for that? Like, how much did that guy pay for this giant helmet? You know what I'm saying? But you look at these things, and you got guys like this, right? These people are crazy. They put the fan in fanatics, right? They're crazy about their teams. You ever meet those people that you just can't, you seem like, okay, can you, can you just talk about something else <laughs> besides your football team or sports stats? Or, you know, like, I, I, I know just enough sports stats to be able to have a conversation. By a, I mean one, right? Um, but, like, I, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not like some of the fanatical fans, you know? Like, I know the Wells are huge sports fans. They, they love the Patriots. They're like, we want to just focus on the game today. And that's all right. They want to focus. You know, you, you talk about Aaron. Aaron can, like, list you off the 40 time of, like, every player on the Patriots team. I mean, he'll tell you about the stats of, like, for the last 20 years of every player who's played for them. I mean, the guy knows his stuff about it. He is fanatical about them, it seems. He, and so much more when it comes to sports, right? But there's the times where I go, am I just a fan for Jesus? Or am I a fanatic? Right? But what about you? What about you? Are you out of your minds for Jesus? Like the way Paul talks about. You know, we look at these different people, and sure, they're crazy. Right? But they stick by their teams, I bet you. They're not quick to leave. Right? Some of them, you got the Cubs fans, man. I, I respect Cubs fans who stuck around with their team. We went to Chicago at one point. I remember this guy, uh, he was like, oh, I'm a huge Cubs fan. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, look at this. And he pulls it on the back of his shirt. He's got this big Cubs emblem on the back. And he's like, big Cubs fan. I'm like, okay. What I didn't realize is it's been like 100 years since the Cubs had won the World Series at that point. I'm like, that is dedication. You know, dedication. I bet you he was celebrating like crazy this last year. The Chicago Cubs, our baseball team, if you don't know that, they won the World Series. Uh, it was 103 years since the last time they won, so it's kind of a big deal. But you know, you get these fans, shall we say fanatics, these patriots for their team, who stick around and stand by their team. They're perseverant despite hardship, right? And see, that's actually my, my next point. It's the idea of being perseverant. Patriots, the kingdom patriots, we are perseverant despite hardship. Right? Look at this scripture here. In uh, verse 14 again. He says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You go, perseverant despite hardship. How does this directly relate? I'd put it to you this way. How hard is it to do something consistently every day of your life? You get what I'm saying? Right? We're like, well, it's not that hard to brush my teeth. For most of us. Uh, you know, 
Some of us, maybe. Uh, but, you, you know, you just build a habit. You just do it. You don't really think about that. But what about healthy eating, a healthy diet, a healthy lifestyle? All of these things, they, they get taxing, right? But what Jesus has called us to, he goes, is a life lived for Christ. Every day, right? Perseverant despite hardship. And living for something can be a real challenge. You know, what it reminds me of, I think the very act of living for Jesus reminds me of even uh, first Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 4. Uh, if you've got your Bible, you can read there. I don't actually have the slide for this one. But it says this in first Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 4, verse 5. Paul's writing, it says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shine, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And that's, that's talking about us, those jars of clay. Right? You think of a jar of clay. You drop a jar of clay, it's going to shatter. right? It's going to break. It's frail. But what's in it is so powerful, is what he's saying. saying and so, that's, so you know that it's not about you, it's about God that holds it up. But keep reading this. Keep reading. He, he's talking about this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. You know, what does this imply? This, this very much tells us we are perseverant as disciples of Jesus, as patriots for the kingdom. We're perseverant through hardship. But it also tells us we're going to deal with hardship, right? Any, anybody can relate to that? Having dealt with it? Right? And it comes, those times come. But what's amazing is what he's saying is when you're pressed on every side, what's going to keep you from being crushed is the power of God within you. Right? And bringing it back to the power of God, not our great selves, but His great being. Does that make sense? And, and we have that. We have that to revel in, to joy, to have joy of, to, to praise, to scream, to yell, to be excited. To hold our giant signs. Am I saying let's go hold giant signs in the street? No. But if you feel really compelled by the Holy Spirit, amen. I won't stop you. But do we persevere despite hardship, right? Are we, are we keeping going? Because that's what patriots do. Right? When it says a patriot is a person who vigorously supports, ready to defend, we think about it. That's someone who's going to step up and take the blow to stand on the battlefield and, and to be there for their nation. 
right? And that should describe us for the kingdom of God and Jesus. Does that make sense? So when I think about that, that's what a patriot is. It's someone who's there and we put aside and we deal with those challenges. Because you know what? Sometimes life is unfair and those challenges come at us and we feel like we can make a ton of excuses why we could, we could fail and not have victory. You know, it made me think of this. Not this. Let me think of this. Patriots had a rough start to this season. Whole deflate gate thing. If you don't know, uh, they may or may not have deflated their balls on purpose so they were easier uh, to work with. But the Patriots were, de- were fined a million dollars. They were fined a million dollars. They were docked a 2016 first round draft pick. That's, pretty, that's, a, that's a pretty harsh penalty right there. And then they were fined again in, in 20, for 2017 they're going to miss another draft pick. And a draft is like all the best talent coming into the league. You get to pick out of it. And so to say, well you're not going to get to pick from some of the best talent. You're going to lose out. That's a blow. That's a blow to your league. That's a blow to the future. And, and all of these things. And then their, their quarterback Tom Brady, right, who's like their all-star, He's suspended for the first four games of the 2016 season, right? Now, you would think they could use this to make every single excuse to go, you know what, this season just didn't turn out for us, guys. We got this going on. But you know what? They're going to the Super Bowl. Today, we're going to watch them there. You know, they, they started this season, they had three and one in the first four games. They went three and one in the first four games. They ended the season fourteen and two, right? And we're going to watch them. Well, some of us are going to watch them tonight playing the Super Bowl. But so many excuses could have been made. So many things could have said. You know what? The odds are stacked against us. We just have such a hard time this year. You know what? This year's just not going to work out for us, guys. But that's not what they said. You know, this was the. This was a statement by their owner. Sometimes the league really messes up. And I think they really messed up this badly. We have all agreed to subjugate our right to disrupt everything. There's jealousy. There's envy. There's stupidity. Sometimes life is unfair and you have to suck it up and move on and not use it as an excuse. Right? He throws this out there, and they're, they're able to brush it off, to let it go, to, to keep moving forward. When I think about the Patriots and what they could have done, you know, they could have let this rocky start discourage them, disorient them, defeat them. They could have used it as an excuse for self-pity, written off the season as pointless, but they didn't, Right? They threw aside everything that could have dragged them down and dialed in to their goal of Super Bowl 51. And they got there. This is just a football team. A great football team. But in the grand scheme of things, a football team. If a football team can buckle down and overcome difficult odds by setting aside distractions and focusing on what matters, how much more can we? Can you? We who have God as our owner, Jesus is the quarterback, right? 
the Holy Spirit with us on every play. Right? If God is for us, who can be against us? We are working together to accomplish His mission and His goal, which is to go and proclaim Christ to the nations. To make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that He has commanded us. Right? And so, when we look at these, we're working for more than a trophy or a title. We're working to help others join His kingdom by being reconciled to God. And God handpicked you to be on this team. If you were a disciple, He picked you to be on His team. Does that encourage you? It should. That incredible belief and faith that God has in you and what you can do and what you can accomplish. You can do miracles. Right? And He's entrusted us as members of His church with this message. You know, you may be tempted to say, Why me, God? Surely there are better people out there. Right? I'm just extra weight slowing things down. But our God is a God who turns weakness into strength. He makes the poor rich, the blind see, who turns strongholds of fear and darkness into beacons of light that cannot be hidden. And we can't do it on our own strength, but we, we don't have to. Right? We just need to stay close to God so that we remember how to reflect His incredible glory. So when you think about it, the world will really mess you up. It'll disrupt your life. Things like envy, stupidity, jealousy will get in the way and make life unfair. But rather than suck it up, I would say let it go and give it to God. Right? Move on. We have so many greater things ahead of us. And remember that it's God's almighty power that sustains us. And keep moving. When you think about this, we're given this message of reconciliation. A message. We're messengers. Right? We've got some great news to share. But look in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. I I want to talk about this for a minute. Starting in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Amen? Part of being the new kingdom. So the old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, an ambassador, you don't just pick anybody to be an ambassador. Well, You shouldn't just pick anybody to be an ambassador. Alright? You shouldn't. Because that person represents your nation. 
Right? You don't, you don't want to just pick anybody. You want to pick a true patriot. Right? When you think about a patriot, you want someone who's going to vigorously fight for it, defend, stand up and represent your nation. Right? And so when you think of what an ambassador is, they are someone who brings the authority and the presence of that nation into other nations. That's what they do. And when the king or the, the president or whomever wants to speak to another nation, they can use their ambassador to bring that message to that other nation. That's a lot of authority. A lot of responsibility. And as patriots for Christ, as disciples of Jesus, we are that. Do you know the authority you've been endowed with? Do you want it? That's, it's amazing to be a part of it. It's also an amazing responsibility that we're called to. And so idly sitting and not representing is not what an ambassador does. It's not what a patriot does. It's not what a disciple does, right? And so when we think about that, when you consider what it means for you to be an ambassador, I want you to consider the message you have, what Jesus has done, right? And with this message of reconciliation, you've got to remember, we can only come to this through Christ, right? When we look at this, we know we're a new creation. We're new. And this, I'm bringing it in here soon, but it says through Christ, we can come to God. Through Christ, we come to God. In 15 through, uh, 17 through 21, you know, when you look at this scripture, we must never forget that it's through Jesus we get to come into his kingdom. This is everything. This is everything to us. When you think of an ambassador, or you think of someone who who knows what they have, a patriot, they rejoice in what they have because they've been able to be there. They're grateful. They're joyful. And for us, we get to be Grateful and joyful for the enduring love of God and Christ Jesus. That's what we have. If you forget that you can only get there through Christ, then you have forgotten maybe the most important thing. Because you can't understand the love of God if you don't understand what He's done for you through Christ. And so for, for this idea, I, I would just encourage you, Look at this scripture. Consider carefully what it means to come to be able, that it's through Christ we're able to come to God. And so when you think about it, when you dwell on it, when you pray about it, when you give thanks for it, really meditate on it. Does that make sense? There's no greater victory or reward than to stand in the presence of God. And this victory is only made possible through Christ. It's gratitude for our God 
that we can celebrate and that we can endure. It's by His power in our victory there. And lastly, the last one, the thing I'd share is this. Success is inevitable. Success is inevitable. And it reminds me of the scripture of how Paul wraps up 1 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, turn over there and I'll wrap it up with this scripture. But in 1 Corinthians 15, right, our victory in Jesus, our success in whether we win is inevitable. Verse 56. Says the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, this idea of stand firm, let nothing move you. Anybody ever stood next to like a really big football player? Do you know what I'm saying? Like a really big football player. There was, uh, there was a brother in my campus ministry who was a big dude named Charles. He didn't go to the NFL, but one of the biggest guys I've ever known. You know, he's, he was like 6'3". As like a senior in college, I think he was like 310 or something like that. Or not college, senior in high school, I'm sorry. And this, this guy was huge, right? And I just thought, you know, we'd mess around and we'd... I don't know what I was thinking. We would wrestle sometimes. I don't, you don't move Charles. He moves you. Right? And there's a reason he's, he played as a lineman. And, you know, and, and I know that uh, there was a brother in Chicago named uh, Ian Scott. And he actually, he came to our wedding. And he was still huge. And I didn't get to wrestle with him. So, amen. So that was my wedding. I was wearing a tux. So, that's why. So, but you think of what it takes to move these guys. Their job is to stand firm and let nothing move them. Our job, our call is to stand firm and let nothing move us. As we push the ball down the yard, yard after yard, striving towards the goal, Will we work against a crazy defense? Yes. Will Satan come at you with his offense? Yes. But you let nothing move you. And as you persevere and you keep going and you're steadfast and you focus on the power of God that's in you, you may be pressed on every side, but you're not going to be crushed. You'll be overwhelmed, but you won't be destroyed. Right? As we stand and hold the line. And as we push on towards the goal, what we know is that with Jesus' victory, success is inevitable. For those who don't give up. So I encourage you, 
don't give up. Right? So, what do we get from this? Kingdom patriots. They get in the kingdom. They're out of their minds for God. Right? They persevere despite hardship. They're ambassadors of the king. They come through Christ. Success is inevitable. Through Jesus. And as the patriots of the kingdom of God, we push on to win the prize and have the victory over death. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Go Pats.